Hello and welcome to the Later in Life Love podcast with your friend Mimi and... It is AJ. I'm in the building tonight. And today we're going to be talking about the stigma of divorce. Does Is there such a thing? Is there still a stigma to divorce? Does it exist in this day and age? I kind of think it does. Stigma? That's something like you get in your eye. <laughs> I think you're thinking astigmatism. Oh, okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the eye. Nothing to do with the eyes. You know, that's true. I should define stigma, shouldn't I? Yeah, maybe it be helpful because I'm thinking that, you know, that you're saying something about your eyes hurting or you need the medical attention or right. at the end of it or moxifina or something. If something is stigmatized, it's me it means that it's frowned upon, right? It's it's looked at as something undesirable. Right. So you're saying that uh divorced people, such as you and I, mm-hmm. might be looked at as hey why did they give up on this marriage thing and are they worth exploring should i go there with so to begin with i thought uh you know i did just a little bit of research i'm certainly no expert on um divorce other than having lived through not one but two of them but for as long as i can remember i've heard the statistic that the divorce rate is about 50 percent. have you heard that yeah, you got like a 50% chance of it working and lasting forever mm-hmm. and 50% chance that, eh, not so good. And let's get <laughs> out of here. So yeah, we know about divorce. I, I've been through a couple of them myself. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically like a coin toss, right? <laughs> Whether or not it's going to work. So I um, did a little research, a little fact checking on that particular stat. And it turns out there's good news. Okay. What's the good news? Give me good news. The good news is the divorce rate has gone down a little bit. Yay! The crowd goes wild. Yes. They went down to 49. <laughs> no, a whopping 39. 39. Oh, man. Right? That's pretty good. That's man. pretty good. I mean, considering. Oh, you're doing well. 39. Exactly. <laughs> are the star of the team. Considering every decrease means a family that stays intact, people that are there to support each other. I mean, I, I think that's great that it's gone down. So from what I can tell, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that people are getting married a little bit later. So instead of at age 19 or 20, now it's 28, 29, 30. So they're waiting a little bit longer to get married. I definitely think that's why. So, you know, yes. Daughter in her mid-20s and she's talking about her biological clock. And I hadn't even started ticking yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> mid-20s. So they're, people are getting married later and they're also more likely nowadays to live together first. Mm-hmm. Another that, thing that I think is smart. Right. And, you know, back when we were in our youth or slightly younger in our 20s and 30s, now that was the stigmatism that was frowned upon. Parents definitely didn't want you to be in a house with another person unless you had put a ring on it. I definitely went through that myself in one of my first relationships. I just wanted to live together and they were like, oh no, that's not happening. <laughs> you went to the courthouse or in the living room or something, somebody's getting a ring or you are actually spending the night with this person 24 hours. So um, yeah, that was the stigmatism and those those things have changed and it's the reverse now. Yeah, same here. Um, came from a traditional Latin family where you absolutely did not live with someone before you got married. You made it official and then, and a lot of people still um, do that. Not that there's anything wrong with um, having traditional values and conservative you know, uh, viewpoints on, on dating and marriage. 
but at the same time, clearly it did affect the divorce rate, not having um, experienced living together and probably the shell shock um, that we experience when that finally happens and having to make it work. Mm-hmm. I think the current wisdom of the day, you know, again, not saying that it's right or wrong, but is that, yeah, you can live together, but you need to set a timeline and say, yes. hey, we're going to try this for X amount of months, years or time. And then, hey, if it's going to move forward, we need to move it forward. If it's not going to move forward, we need to, you know, we need to seek another way and not just be living together with the convenience of being married and no paperwork and ring behind it. Yeah, that that's so true because um, I mean the biological clock is real. So for women who are waiting for that ring and more of a commitment, and now you've gone from being in your early twenties to now your late twenties and thirties, or even longer, um, you know, waiting for more of a commitment, or you you have children and now you realize, wow, there isn't that commitment, and now you're a single single mom and dealing with those types of situations. So many dynamics that can happen when there's no uh, timeline and no commitment, like you said, totally agree with that. So the other interesting thing I learned is that the more educated you are and the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to get married and stay married. Hmm. The more educated. So mm-hmm. once you find someone that's on your level, that has the same background, the same education, you're more likely to stay with them. Is that, is that what your statistics are pointing towards? Well, meaning that if you are, if you have a college degree, mm-hmm. if you um, are on the higher socioeconomic um, level, A, you're more likely to actually get married, and B, if you do get married, you're, you're going to, to stay married versus, let's say, someone only with a college or only with a high school education, um, not making as much money, more likely to end in divorce, those types of couples. Okay. All right, I see that. Mm-hmm. And the other half of that was wealthier? Yes. The more money you make, uh, the higher your socioeconomic status the more likely you are to get married and to stay married. You think part of that is just protecting your assets? Say, hey, you know, um, I have this. And if we don't stay married, then this all gets split up. <laughs> so, I mean, are they, yes. are they staying together out of um, the commitment to each other or the commitment to keeping their assets? That would be my question. This is true. I do wonder about that, too, that uh, it's cheaper to keep her yeah. kind of uh, thinking. I'm sure that could definitely play play a factor. Um, yeah, and you know, who knows? And I, I'm wondering if there are any listeners out there, psychologists, therapists, et cetera, that um, can give us some insights into these stats because there's there's so it, it just brings to mind so many questions. Like, uh, why is that? Like you said, so would love to uh, hear from people if they have some insights for us on that. I think I've heard you say that. We would love to hear from you. And yeah. We would- we want to know. Why. Yes, we want to know. It's a two-way street. This this podcast. Definitely not the experts. You know, we're mm-hmm. just a happy couple that uh, wants to give some advice to some people who haven't thought about some things, some other ways to think about it. But in no way the experts we may have more questions than answers. But, yes, uh, ready to put it out there. So the other consideration is the whole COVID thing that's going on. So, I mean, we won't know for a while 
what effect that's going to have on the divorce rate. But you hear people really straining their marriages and, uh, you know, family dynamics really being strained with this situation, understandably. But then you also have surveys, at least preliminary surveys that people have done that show that um, couples are really appreciating each other more too during this time and, and thinking, wow, I better stick with this person. Like, you know what, they've really been here for me as I've lost my job during the pandemic or, um, you know, gone crazy with these kids and he or she has really taken over and, and stepped up and helped out. So that will be interesting to see what happens with that in the coming years. It definitely is a two-way street. It could be that you appreciate your spouse more for what they've done and what you've gone through and the fact that you have to work from home and you're home 24-7 instead of, you know, having that eight to 10-hour break during the day where you're going to work. But the other half of that is that you have more time to get tired of each other. Being together too much may make you look back and think, hey, you know, this person was okay for the five hours in the evening and the <laughs> hour and a half in the morning, but I don't know about this 24 hours a day thing. So again, it kind of just brings up questions as to, is this going to lead to more people staying together or people, you know, falling out of their relationship because of too much time together? Yeah, you think of those couples that um, have spent years during their working years apart for at least eight hours a day. And, you know, they both had these careers going and uh, or maybe one of them has had a, a career and the other one has been at home. And then suddenly now they're both retired and they can't stand each other. Right? And they're like, can you please get a hobby or something? Because I'm not even used to seeing you around for this much. So, yeah, that should be interesting to see what happens with that. So those are the stats about divorce, just to kind of give some context and the environment that, that we're dealing with. But from I wanted to talk about from a social standpoint, like the dating aspect of people in our age group, 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. And so a couple of things um, stand out when, when uh, thinking about that. And one of them is whatever your dating pool is, like we just mentioned in the era that we grew up in and we're in our 50s. Um, so when we were dating uh, in the 80s and 90s, that was when divorce was like all time high. Like people were just like, I'm out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so our dating pool is gonna be different from the older generation. Maybe people are in their 60s right now who are, who are trying to date and they did face the, probably more of a stigma because in that era, divorce was highly frowned upon, frowned upon and people didn't get divorced unless it was something very, very serious going on. Yeah, a lot of factors have to do with that pool. You know, a pool is, could be Olympic sized, but <laughs> which end are you jumping in on? You're going to go yes. in the deep end where you you know, you might get a little of this, a little of that. Some people on your level, some not. Um, some with a whole lot of baggage. Um, and you're trying to tread water with baggage. That's probably not going to work for you. <laughs> or are you going to jump in the shallow end, you know, and just be very selective about who you're choosing or how or what methods you even go about trying to, you know, find this dating pool. <laughs> um, you know, um, people in their 50s and 60s, not all are as comfortable with technology and not all are, you know, willing to kind of jump out there like you and I did with the dating apps and such and, mm -hmm. you know, are still looking at the traditional methods of, you know, bump into them at the grocery store, mm -hmm. church, get hooked up by a friend. 
Um, you know, how are you going to navigate this pool? What pool are you going to search for? Um, you know, again, lots, lots and lots of factors as to how you can even find someone to consider dating. And I think your age range, your comfortability um, of using uh, technology um, or just, just being really stuck in your ways and saying, nah, if I can't meet him at church in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you think of also the differences in those um in the pool, I guess you could say, because plenty of people date people who are not of their same age. So there might be, a, a you know, an age difference, and that's going to affect their views on um, divorce and staying together and living together first, or, you know, all these other factors that we that we talked about in those statistics. So we're fortunate to be around the same age. And we've often talked about that, like, oh, there's so much that we don't have to explain, you know, we, mm-hmm. We, um, you know, if you start uh, humming a tune, I probably know it. I've probably heard about it. (laughs) So that's always nice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, when you're dating someone much younger or much older, you know, you have to keep in mind that their viewpoints are probably going to be pretty different than yours because it was a different time. There is a different time. There are references to, you know, what things they experienced. And, you know, Mm -hmm. being an educator, I bring up things to my 12 and 13 year olds and they just look at me and have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about cells and I said, you know, you know, nucleus, you know, that song that dun, dun, dun. I have no idea. (laughs) No clue about nucleus, but, you know, they know about the cell now. So the other, um, another aspect um, of when talking about divorce and the, the stigma of divorce is that second marriages are still more likely to end in divorce. So we're not off the hook there. The the more previous marriages that you've had, the more likely you are for the next one to end in divorce. And um, I think we have talked about the the fact that in in dating it's not something that um you know a lot of people are really comfortable bringing up right away it's like uh yeah i've been married you know mm-hmm. <laughs> not ready to give you the details of all of that um, mm-hmm. and you know as we talked about on the last episode you know we were kind of breaking the mold there we really want to be as open as we can and just mm-hmm. let it all out let the call let the cards fall where they may um so the sharing part is definitely not um not a problem for us for sure yeah and i think you know we have to address the elephant in the room which is from like a personal psychological perspective, um, you do have to fight this feeling of being, uh, you know, having failed. People use that term too, a failed marriage, which sounds so doom and gloom and terrible. Um, but uh, it's easy to turn that into, well, I am a failure because I have a failed marriage, which is definitely not the case. We shouldn't do that, but it's not unusual. For people to feel that way yeah you can look at the situation is not working out um but it's it's not all on the fact that the person that you chose to be with was not the right person for you at that time um you know i, I use the sports analogy that yeah your team was better and they had a better record and they beat better people but 
on that day, at that time, on that court, with that atmosphere, at that time of day, your team lost. That was the better team. Don't blame it on, you know, all these outside factors, the refs, and they cheated and blah, blah, blah. But it just didn't work out for that period of time in your life. And, you know, we have both confessed to each other that um, had we met at another time in our life, it, we probably wouldn't have the same results. We wouldn't have lasted as long as we've yes. been together now because, you know, our maturity level wasn't there. And, you know, again, at that time, that game, that day, in that situation, it wasn't going to work. So all those things have to line up, the stars align for those two people, although compatible, to be able to make a lasting relationship. Yes. And and something tied closely to that, which is something we'll talk about in an upcoming episode, but that feeling of being gun shy about marriage based on the fact that you've had one or more divorces, I mean, you're more likely to say, you know what, yeah, we can either um, put marriage off for a couple years or more, or, you know, why even bother? Like, let's, if it's working, it's working great. But when you have gone through a divorce and separating assets and the whole family dynamics of of all that, you know, you're a little bit less likely to jump in feet first in, in those situations. Yeah. And, you know, call the relationship what it what you may. Um, it doesn't always have to end up with a ring, a courthouse, a judge, a witness, and a marriage. <laughs> All yes. those things are not mandatory for you, you to have that forever love in your life. Right. Yeah, that's definitely no guarantee. And we, we've learned that firsthand for sure. <laughs> Another thing that we talk about is family and friends and their view of us uh, when we have been divorced and even um, introducing a mate and saying, well, that person's been married before or married twice. Boy, is there some feelings about that. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, elephant in the room, but their antennas are going to be up. (laughs) For Their sure. radar is going to be up and it's like, oh, okay, here we go again. <laughs> as as your family and friends don't see that about you, but they can see that about the other person. And that's right. <laughs> definitely our situation. You know, they're thinking, oh, what's wrong with that person? Why did they have something that didn't work out? Not, hey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you also had something that didn't work out. You know, of course, your family and friends are always going to be on your side. So, you know, we do get it from both sides. and. I think that at first we were very reluctant to kind of share the depth of our feelings for each other because of the fact that, um, you know, our family and friends kind of gave you the side eye, gave you the, the look. <laughs> and you, you could see, you could even hear it. You could see it on the phone. <laughs> that way. That's how obvious it was that, oh, so you're serious about this person? Mm-hmm. So tell me more about this person, you know. Yes. From their eye, oh, you're good, but are they good? <laughs> yeah, and, and we should probably give some context to that because we both, AJ and I, have parents who have been married for 50 plus years. Forever. Yeah, forever. Forever. Um, and uh, uh, my father just passed away recently, but my parents were married for 50 almost 57 years. Your parents have been married for just about that long. Yeah, right around 56, 57 years. Mm -hmm. So coming from that generation and seeing your your kids 
say kids, there's still, <laughs> we're always going to be their kids. Right. Seeing your children um, go through a divorce and just hoping just that they, please just let them find someone that they're, you know, that they're worthy of and that's worthy of them. And it's long-term. It's bad. Don't move too fast. Like y'all are yes. taking time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That quote from <laughs> my mother. Um, you're taking your time, right? Yeah, um, we're, we're taking our time. We're just trying to fill it out and see if it's going to work. And, and we are. I mean, we are still taking yeah. our time. We, we haven't made any major steps, you know, right. to, um, you know, being in the same city. And, you know, we mentally know, hey, this is it and this is forever. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's, you know, it's baby steps. And, and yeah. we're being, we're being cautious, but, still committed to each other mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of ironic because i think of just me personally when i was younger i felt this this feeling of like oh i think this is the one let me hurry up and jump in on this because life is too short and now that i'm older you would think that there would be that sense of urgency and it's just the opposite it's like okay yeah no this is this feels great and yeah let's keep it going but there's not an urgency to um, you know, conform to the what society says should be an official relationship or a serious relationship. Yeah, with us, we're setting our own standards. You know, we mm -hmm. know about the conformities, we know about society, but we also know in our conversations about what we want and what we think forever looks like. And that's what we're moving towards. Absolutely. So that's our episode for today with your friend Mimi and her boo agent. We want to hear from you though. What do you think of this episode? What do you think about divorce? Is there still a stigma to divorce? Has it affected you? What do you think? What do your friends think about uh, your being divorced? If you are divorced, are you contemplating a divorce? Would love to hear from you. Of course, as always, you can reach us at admin at laterinlifelove.com or we would love to get a voicemail from you. You can leave a voicemail at anchor.fm forward slash laterinlifelove. Until next time. Hi, I'm Mimi. And I'm AJ. We're the host of the Later in Life Love podcast, where we discuss dating and new relationships at 40 plus. Do you have a dating or relationship related question for us? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at anchor.fm forward slash later in life love and leave us a voicemail. Your message might be included in a future episode. You, my friend, can be part of our show. And remember, it's never too late for love. It's never too late.